Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. So today I'm with a true legend in the world of football, Ron Chopper-Harris. Ron still holds the record for the most appearances for Chelsea Football Club with nearly 800 caps to his name. And he tells me 13 goals, but we'll come on to talk about that in a moment. So still very much uh, revered by Chelsea fans all around the world. Ron even has a suite named after him, which takes some doing. He's a football pundit and remains a much sought after dinner speaker. So welcome, Ron. Really good Thank to you. have you with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, tell us, especially, all, especially you being a Manchester United supporter, <laughs> because we don't like Manchester United supporters. Um, so, Ron, obviously, you and I have known each other for a very long, long time. time yeah. So it's it's a particular pleasure to have you with us. I have to ask you this question because it will be on everyone's mind. Where did the nickname Chopper come from? Well, usually it's. Uh, as you know, when you're at one of these speaking functions, it's normally at the end of the evening, people ask you questions and it's usually a lady uh, puts her hand up with a big smile on their face and says, excuse me, Mr. Harris, why did they call you Chopper? Uh, and when I tell her the reason how I got the nickname, the smile fades, but it's not what they think it is. It was given to me by the Chelsea supporters, supposedly the way I used to chop people down from behind. Okay, so that that's obviously an allegation you completely deny. Yes. Okay, I, I think George Best would probably disagree because you've got. Yeah, a but few you could stories. tackle from behind years ago. <laughs> so I guess the first question is, you know, in all the years you've been involved in football, you've you've probably it would be fair to say seen some changes in the game. Well, obviously, uh, you know, with all the games I've played in, and for the last what fifteen years, twenty years, I've done the hospitality at Chelsea. Uh, and I think the biggest thing that's come into it is the, to me that football has become a non-contact sport. Mm. Uh, people like myself and Tommy Smith and Norman Hunter uh, most probably wouldn't last five minutes in the modern day because uh, I think the sickening thing that comes into it is that the way people fall around and dive around and, uh, you know, without mentioning anybody's name and see somebody fall down a few weeks ago holding his face when somebody pushed him on the shoulder. I won't name, name it was a place for Manchester United, no, you know. <laughs> that never happened in that time. You only you only went down years ago if you were hurt. Yeah. And I think they should do the same in football that they do in rugby. You, you know, you've got to kick the ball out in the touch before somebody comes on. Mm. But it, it don't happen in rugby. So that makes your 795 appearances even more remarkable then, doesn't it? Well, I only ever got sent off once uh, and that was in a cup tie down at Brighton. I was supposedly... Uh, accused of punching somebody, which I've never done. I've kicked a few people. And uh, years ago, you could I got banned for three matches and got fined £100, which used to go in front of the FA. And uh, basically, they used to be elderly people and half of them were asleep anyway to give you the verdict. And I got banned for three matches and a £100 fine. 
Uh, but years ago, you could appeal against it uh, and you could have an independent people where you had one fella from the FA, uh, Stan Cullis represented me from the PFA and uh, uh, <clears throat> building a fella called George Waits and it got overturned. So really, uh, I've never ever been sent off in this country. That's impressive. So, um, you know, everyone knows you and your association with football, but let's start by talking about Ron Harris, the guy outside of football. Tell us a little bit about your your background, Ron, you know, where you where you grew up. Because you're, you're a North Londoner, aren't you, originally? I come from North London originally, uh, Hackney. Uh, my father used to take, he used to play, not professional or anything like that. Um, uh, me and my brother, Alan, who sadly died a few months back, uh, used to go and watch him and used to uh, go to because my dad was an Arsenal supporter, we used to go to Highbury every week, whether there was a junior game and a, uh, a reserve game or a first-team game. And <clears throat> I quite, you know, as you got a little bit older, you started playing football and cricket. And I did have the opportunity of going on the grand staff up at Lords for the cricket. Mm. Uh, but the, the seasons, like, overlap with each other. So, I, you know... I decided to go to Chelsea because they offered me £7 a week, whereas up at Middlesex, they, they only offered me 4 and you had to pay your own travelling expenses, which only come from an ordinary background. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, Chelsea paid you the £7 and you used to get a luncheon voucher and a, a rail pass. Yeah. And as I say, I've, I've spent all my life there. I think it's a tremendous club. Yeah. And uh, I really look forward to, uh, work, well, I say working there on match days. And certain things I do during the week. Mm. Loyalty is is something that we don't really see in the game anymore, is it? But um, what's what's great about your relationship with Chelsea is that you, you know you've clearly been very loyal to them, but they're now repaying that. So does that tell tell us something about you know uh, the secrets of a successful relationship? Is is loyalty important to you? Is it is it something well, that uh, has... I think so because as I say, I, I'm you know I think a, a loyal person. If I tell somebody that I'll come along and do something for them, whatever happens, I'll, I'll be there. And the same thing at Chelsea. I've been there as a, from a 15-year-old lad. Uh, okay, I left when I was, what, 36 and spent three years coaching at Brentford. But practically, I've been back there ever since. And uh, <clears throat> the biggest suite at Chelsea is, is the Ron Harris suite. Uh, and I, I, uh, I remember <clears throat> when Ken Bates was the chairman there and uh, me and Pete Ross got out of a bit of a fallout with him uh, and uh, we were told not to come anymore they weren't needed and I stayed away for a time and then uh, <clears throat> I got a phone call from uh, a lad called Neil Barnett uh, asked me to come to the to the ground because somebody wanted to see me he wouldn't say who and uh, I said I, there's no way that I would go back there while Ken Bates was there uh, he sued me for <clears throat> 1500 quid for the comments that we made uh, while we was in Jersey, me and Oz. And, uh, <clears throat> and then, you know, Neil said to me, look, something major is going to happen. And that's all. So I said, all right, I'll come there as long as I'm not involved in his company. And uh, <clears throat> I'd done the thing on the television. Uh, I was asked to, to stay in the boardroom because somebody wanted to see us. There was a lot of speculation that Ken Bates was going to sell out and uh, who should walk into the room was a lad, I, you know, called Roman Abramovich. And I sat round the table with him and a couple of his <clears throat> sidekicks. He spoke perfectly good English. 
Uh, and at the end of the half an hour, we sat there talking. He, he got up, he said, uh, I'd like you to come back to Chelsea Football Club. And I've been there ever since. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> without being disrespectful to some of the people that you see pictures around the ground, the, the biggest suite there is the Ron Harris suite, which is, you know, which I'm mm. proud of. Testament to you. Um, I, I think you must be the only person I can think of that would ever refer to Roman Abramovich as a lad. But um, that's probably <clears throat> because you've earned the right yes. as, a, as an elder statesman of the club. So um, going back to your early years yeah. and, uh, you know, going to football, which <clears throat> I, I don't think was possible at the age of seven back in the day, you know, so you applied your trade, you turned up at what, 17, started playing about 17? No, we, I like going to the Highbury well, it's called Highbury with my brother and my dad. I always felt that, you know, it would be enough, it would be terrific if you could take up one of them careers as a sport, whether it was a football or a cricket. And you started getting involved and then my brother went to Chelsea on the grand staff uh, a few years before me. Uh, I got invited to some of the games. And uh, I think why a lot of the youngsters used to go to Chelsea years ago is that they they had a fantastic youth policy and they felt if you was good enough at the age of 17 you'd be given the opportunity. <clears throat> I served my couple of years as an apprentice. Uh, I signed on as a full-time professional at 17 on my birthday uh, for £40 a week and a £1,000 a year signing on, on fee. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Tommy Dockett was the manager. Uh, I captained the England youth side that won the, the Mini World Cup. Uh, he, he, he took my mum and dad to Wembley uh, for the final and I see him afterwards with my, my parents and he just said, do you plan in the first team on Saturday, son? And uh, his motto was that I'm giving you the chance, make sure you accept it. And, you know, for from the age of, what, 17 until I left there in 35, apart from one year when I was in the second division when I was sub a lot, uh, yeah. I played regular football. For a long time, and I think I've done uh, one thing that you can check this up that uh, I don't think has ever happened in professional football. I played because I was used to only have one sub years ago. Uh, <clears throat> Eddie McCready, who was the manager at the time, said to me, Look, you know, you need a, to put one or two games under your belt. And I played in the reserves in the morning because they brought the forward kick off, the kick off forward. I played 90 minutes in the reserves. Uh, they got a, a taxi to run me over to Millwall in the afternoon where I was sub. And I played 45 minutes in the first team uh, in the second half. So when these fellas say they feel tired after 20-odd <coughs> games, I'd play twice in a in a game. I think we get the message loud and clear. The, the world of football has changed a little yes. bit over the years. So when you, um, when you were playing football, do you have any kind of daily routines, things that you would... You go through every. Are you superstitious, for example? <clears throat> no, not really. You know, the <clears throat> the only thing that uh, <clears throat> we used to do is that you know sometimes because I lived at home with my parents for a long time, you should always like to have, you know, like maybe a, a nap in the afternoon or on a Friday. You should make sure you you should go to bed early so that you was you know mm. fit and ready for the game on the Saturday. Mm. So I would never, <clears throat> you know. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a goody-goody. I wouldn't go out on a Friday night drinking or something like that, which maybe one or two of them used to uh, go out and entertain people. But I would always make sure that you 
you go to bed early on a Friday night. You must have a really remarkable kind of mentality because I've known you for a long time. You do not strike me as a as a hard man at all. Um, <clears throat> so what so what was it that that you know that we clearly have Ron by day and Ron no, on the football pitch. You know, lots of people say to me they can't believe. You know, even at Chelsea, what a bit of a hatchet man I was. <laughs> and off the field, you're, you're a proper gentleman. But I was always brought up in, as I say, drilled into me that you get nothing for being second best. And people only want to know winners. And uh, I used to play, I'm not sure all the managers would tell you, I used to play the same in training, whether it was a five-a-side or seven-a-side or a full-scale practice game. I wanted to be a winner because people only, I think, no winners. Mm. If you ask after people here, you know, who won the World Cup last year, I would imagine a lot of them would say who it was. But if you said who was the quarter-finalist, half of them wouldn't have a clue. Mm. So that's how I was brought up to, to believe that you only, you don't get nothing for being second best. Mm. So uh, 795 caps, <clears throat> uh, 13 goals. We haven't got enough time for you to yeah, talk us through every yeah. single one of those. Um, clearly... 12 of them mishit, I guess, but um, <clears throat> one through Pat Jennings' legs, right? One went through Pat Jennings' legs at White Hart Lane one, you know, one evening. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, the first goal I scored was against Gordon Banks. I, I don't know, I must have had a brainstorm that I, I went across the halfway line into there <laughs> and hit a shot from about 30 yards, uh, which flew in. And I remember <clears throat> up at Derby County, Chrissy Garland was playing for us at the time and uh, I wandered up because we got a corner and he, he, he cut the corner back from about 30 yards and and I, I beat, I think there was a lad in goal called Bolton and it got voted the third best goal of the month. Wow. So, uh, you know, good goal. Yeah. There was only good goal. It was only the one that Pat Jennings let through his legs. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all this time spent as a, as a clear winner, you know, achieving... What I think you probably agree will never be beaten <clears throat> in football. Yeah. I mean, certainly Chelsea. Yeah. 795 games... Um, obviously avoiding injury, you know, nowadays tight hamstring and they're out for six yeah. months. Um, but then when you left football, uh, you uh, started your own business, didn't you? Yeah, when, like as I say, when I left Chelsea, I had the opportunity again as a player coach at Brentford and I spent three years uh, playing and coaching. I didn't do a lot of running because uh, the legs wouldn't t- take you then and uh, we parted company after about three years and, you know, we sat down, me and the missus, and, and I thought to myself, well, we'd had enough of travelling up and down the country and this, that, and the other. It's hard to get, you know, without being disrespectful to Brentford, if you get the sack from there, where do you go from there? And uh, we used to play a lot of golf uh, in my days at Chelsea. Uh, my two boys used to play a lot when they were youngsters, and, and we had the opportunity of uh, buying a golf club down in Swindon called Bremhill Park. Uh, and uh, we had that for about, what, seven or eight years. And as you know, somebody made us an offer that I thought was too good to turn down. So uh, we decided to uh, take the money and, and mm-hmm. run. Okay. And then after that? We uh, <clears throat> we decided we, we never done anything as a family for uh, quite some time. Uh, <clears throat> and then you got... You know, we bought like a little holiday complex down in Warminster that had log cabins and fishing lakes, uh, some good fishing there. And uh, the same thing happened that somebody made us an offer and I had the opportunity of uh, going back to uh, doing speaking, Mm. what Peter Osgood got me into. 
<clears throat> I used to do the hospitality and um, I was asked to go back to, to Chelsea. And right. as I say, really been there apart from the blip. We came back, so we've been there ever since. But it would be fair to say that during that kind of the business career, if that's the right expression to use, it wasn't all plain sailing. You had a few few bumps along the way. Well, we had a, you know, as you well know, that, uh, you know, I was a millionaire once, but uh, uh, trusted a solicitor who I thought was a friend of mine that uh, uh, said he'd do this and do that. And we finished up, you know, I'm not stupid or anything like that, but maybe people would say I was stupid to allow him to, <laughs> to take, full control of it but uh, then we found out a lot of the things you know there's a place in France that he said take and a place down in Cornwall there's certain other things to do with property and I finished up that uh, we found out that it was it, he put it all in his name because he controlled uh, you know mm. the money sort of thing mm. so you know when when things like that happen because it was a tough period for you I know uh, um, how do you how do you deal with stuff like that? You know what what are the things that well I, you know, you you know like I think that uh, <clears throat> you you do look around and think to yourself I can understand sometimes when people commit suicide. I'm not saying I was suicidal or anything like that, but <clears throat> you know my philosophy was that uh, I come into the world with nothing, and uh, in 1980 I was a millionaire. Mm. But uh, I've been there, I've done it. You know through your help of found my feet and I enjoy life. Uh, I've not missed the game at Chelsea. I, well, I missed one game uh, <clears throat> doing a hospitality where I had to go to uh, Bermuda to to do an evening for the Chelsea Supporters Club, but that was on the position, uh, permission of Chelsea Football Club. Mm. But after that, I'm never, the only time I'm late is with some of the tackles. I'm always punctual. Uh, I don't like people keeping me waiting as you know, mm. but uh, no, I, I really look forward to, to doing what I do at Chelsea. Mm. And Good. I think I'm respected there yeah. and I love it. <clears throat> yeah. So what, what's next for Ron? I mean, are you happy doing what you're doing? Have, have yes, you, kind so of... <clears throat> you know, uh, I still do the occasional dinners if, if it's not too far to travel because as I say, my first priority is at Chelsea. I love it there. Yeah. I work with some lovely people, men and women. Uh, there's, I, I can remember when we first started, it was only myself, Kerry Dixon, and Peter Osgood, uh, and there's nine, I know things have got bigger, but there's there's nine of us do the hospitality there and we all get on quite well together. Mm. So, uh, and you're fed and you get paid and you watch the game. And you're a West Country boy now, aren't you? Yes, uh, we moved down to Shepton Mallet about three weeks ago, mm. uh, partly because uh, it's more near the, my, my children. Yeah, uh, I think there have been more in the three weeks we've been there. We've seen more of them in those three weeks that we did in the last 10 years. Mm. So that's uh, no, good. And there's a nursing home just across the way from you, isn't there? Yeah, so it's I only think they're keeping quick, that quick for stroll, me, yeah. Quick yeah. stroll across the yeah. road in about 15 years' time. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, talking about uh, success, just generally, from all your experiences in life, first of all, what do you what do you see as success? What does it mean to you? Or if not maybe to you, then what you see in other people? Well, I, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, when I first started football, uh, your object was to get into the first team and do well. <clears throat> and then, you know, you think yourself, once a year you see captains lifting the FA Cup and things like that, and you think yourself, God, I'd love to be a captain to lift the FA Cup. And, <clears throat> you know, I'd done that in 1970. We lost the Cup in 1966 to the Spurs, but it was a fantastic experience. Uh, <clears throat> fortunately, what, four years later, 
I was the first Chelsea captain to lift the FA Cup, which I'm proud of. <clears throat> and the following year, we beat Real Madrid uh, in this European Cup Winners' Cup. And uh, apart from, as I say, playing more games than anybody, mm. I am the first Chelsea captain to lift a European trophy and an FA Cup. It's quite a CV, so many accolades. Yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the greatest lesson, would you say, you've learned in your life so far? Because um, you've had <clears throat> so many different experiences and met so many incredible people. <clears throat> you know, to the listeners, what would, what would you say in terms of lessons in life? You've got any particular thought or philosophy? Or well, what? I think that, uh, you know, my experiences regarding business, as you know, uh, you trust people, uh, which I did. Uh, I think that uh, if any youngsters today have got an opportunity of taking up anything to do with sport nowadays, whether, <clears throat> you know, cricketers earn a lot of money, rugby players, uh, athletes and things like that, they would have poor relations years ago. Uh, and I think that... Uh, you know, even in my time, you used to have a medical at the start of the season, the end of the season. So I think you're well looked after in that sense. And I just think you're travelling the world uh, and you're getting paid for something you enjoy. Mm. Any um, any funny stories you want to share with us from your career in football? Uh, well, I, t- I tell her, <clears throat> I know you're a Manchester United supporter. <laughs> I don't know why we hate you Manchester United. You can't resist United. this, can you? <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know... I, years ago, I used to supposedly try to man mark people, and uh, <clears throat> I remember playing like well, two occasions. Uh, <clears throat> one of them being at Chelsea against uh, the Manchester United, and I remember Tommy Dockett calling me aside and he said, "Look, you're marking this fella Georgie Best today." He said, "You know, uh, you know, wherever he goes, you know, mark him closely." So I said, "Oh, it's not a problem, Tom," and. Uh, I remember, but they they always done well at Manchester United, and I remember going in three uh, one down at half time, and he gave me a right chasing bestie, and he'd scored twice, and he floated a ball to Dennis Law to make it three, and uh, <clears throat> I come in the dressing room, I sat in the corner, and I still felt giddy because he had turned me so many different ways, and Tommy Doc he come in and he said, I thought I told you to mark him closely. And I just said to him, I tried to, Tom. I said, but every time I got near him, his teammates was either shaking his hand or patting him on the back. And I said to him, well, what do you want me to do? Break his leg and get sent off? And he looked at me and said, don't worry, son. They will miss him a lot more than we will miss you. <laughs> and the other occasion up at Old Trafford where we was always <clears throat> done well there is that uh, uh, <clears throat> we we were winning one nought, And just after half, well, just before half time, uh, <clears throat> we had a corner and uh, Peter Hausman swung this in swinging corner and it was on the halfway line. There was myself and I think uh, Marvin Hinton marking, looking after Georgie Best. And Peter Hausman swung this in swinging corner and had a lad in goal at the time called Jimmy Rimmer. And he come out and he punched this ball about 30 odd yards. <clears throat> and who got on the ball first was Bestie. And he, he, he turned Paddy Mulligan, who was playing then and Marvin in and inside out and he just fractionally overrun the ball and I thought Jock where's your chance mate <clears throat> and I went in at my normal height like waist and half <laughs> caught him and I half missed him and he managed to run 35 yards he dropped the shoulder to peep in there and stuck the ball in the back of the net and we got beat 2-1 and every time on grandstand every Saturday at 12 o'clock they used to show the opening clip of him scoring this goal and every time I watched it 
the more convinced that I was going to catch him one day. <laughs> <coughs> so um, we're obviously, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, it's been brilliant talking to you. Next question, final question, same question we ask every guest, and that is, here's Ron Harris, Chopper Harris, sitting here today with all his years of wisdom now behind him, having a conversation with Ron Harris Jr. We'll say he's 15, 16 years of age. So if that young boy came to you now and said, give me one piece of advice based on everything you know about life, what would that piece of advice be? Well, I, I would say to him that, you know, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I was a goody-goody, but I think you got anything to do with sport nowadays, you can earn a lot of money. <clears throat> and I think that, uh, one, you've got to look after yourself, no gunfight in a round and things like that, uh, because the rewards, are, I think, are tremendous nowadays. Uh, and I think... As I say, anything to do with sport, you can earn a lot of money. And I think you've got to be keep your nose clean, uh, do the right things on and off the field. Uh, and I think nowadays you can earn yourself a lot of money. Mm. So kind of what I've heard today, um, and thank you so much for sharing, was I heard, you know, don't, don't be second best. Set high standards, have a clear vision plan mm. of what you want to achieve. Um, and, and I have to say, I think on behalf of everyone who's listening in, um, thank you for sharing so much. I, I could, you're one of the, those people I could spend hours and hours and hours listening to. And I've had the privilege of attending some of your after dinner speeches, which is, um, which is an experience in itself. So, um, and it, and it's also nice to have a, a, a close friend with us today. So, uh, Ron Harris, thank you very much indeed for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks. Pleasure. Thanks so much, Sandra. That was the Sandro Forte podcast and what an amazing guest we've just had in Ron Chopper Harris. There are many more fabulous guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And of course, I'd love you to keep your suggestions coming, stories, challenges, anecdotes, ideas, or just things that you'd like to hear more of uh, on this podcast, email me at hello at sandrospodcast.com and please don't forget to leave your reviews on iTunes. Thank you.